Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Rage! Sports Rage with Gabe Morenci. Rage all you want. Let's roll. This is Sports Rage. I am Gabriel Morenci. The pimps, the players, the hustlers, the people of Boston, and everybody else in between throwing it down Sunday, bloody Sunday. Canada Day, 4th of July, all wrapped up into one. Let's do this thing. Sirius XM Channel 159. We're rolling. Mo Khan will step up and in. Tony Finn will kick it with us uh, this evening. Straight for the strip in Las Vegas, Nevada. Ian Cameron will step up and in from the hammer uh, tonight. We've got a full house on the program. We've got a lot of stuff to unpack. It was a long day of motorsport racing uh, today. It started in Austria, but let's start off in a windy city in Chicago. Shane Van Gisbergen. Say what? Say who? Shane Van Gisbergen, the first driver in 60 years to win his NASCAR Cup Series debut race. First time since 1963 that a driver has won his first ever race. He's never raced in NASCAR before. He's never raced in, like, the Xfinity Shows up from Australia, and uh, he races in the Supercar uh, Series. Dude shows up, three-time champion there, shows up and wins a NASCAR race in Chicago, a race that was delayed by rain, but it was worth the wait. It was a crazy race, and I'll tell you what, a lot of these drivers are going to have nightmares. What was it? I think it was turn four into the tire barrier. Like, there was literally, like, I don't know, 10 crashes into that thing. Like, over and over and over again, dudes would go flying into the tire barrier. And it was like, at first, it was like, all right, you know, the track is wet. All right, it's raining and stuff. You know, by the end of it, it was like, dude, you know, you've you've already seen everybody else do exactly what you just did. Bubba Wallace, he, like, he just took a straight freaking line right into it once. Boom. Um... Kyle Busch crashed into the tire barrier so hard he got stuck in it. Like, he needed to get pulled out, and somehow he still finished top 10. It was a wild race in the Windy City, and it was pretty cool. It's too bad weather delayed it and stuff. It was, like, long waiting for it to start. But once it started, it was super entertaining, and um, I think they've got a successful race on their hands there uh, in the Windy City. 
Max Verstappen wins again. They, they win at the Red Bull ring. And that was a weird wild race this morning. Formula One, there were a million speed violations. They changed the positioning after the race ended. So many people got hit with violations. Um, the head of Mercedes told basically uh, Lewis Hamilton to shut up during the race. <laughs> like there's a lot, there's a lot of stuff to unpack for the world of Formula One uh, today too. Yeah, Toto, uh, Toto Wolf, he, he had enough of Lewis Hamilton complaining. Lewis Hamilton complains all the time during races, like to the team over the headset. And he was bitching about, like, how come other people aren't getting hit with speed violations like he got hit with violations. And finally, they came over the headset. They said, we get it. The car is bad. Just drive it. <laughs> Things were getting hostile uh, in Austria this morning, but Red Bull gets it done. Sergio Perez started 15th, finished third, so he saved face. Verstappen wins again, is now the fourth all-time leader in all-time history. Let's roll. Sunday, bloody Sunday. This is Sports Rage. I am Gabe Overensi. The pimps, the players, the hustlers, the people who bust them, and everybody else in between. We're kicking it holiday edition style of the program. Program alert. We will not be on tomorrow night, and we will not be on Tuesday night. I do not control the schedule of the network, but I can tell you that I will be on Game Time Decisions tomorrow, and we have a special 4th of July edition of Game Time Decisions as well. So, in other words, the TV radio for Game Time Decisions it's a business as usual. Sports Rage, we kick it tonight, and then we'll be back on Wednesday night, the Wicked Wednesday. A lot of stuff to unpack. Let's start off uh, NASCAR, Chicago. Epic race. Uh, turned out to be a great classic. And uh, we saw a history, not only because of the first street race, but we saw a history. Uh, first time a NASCAR driver has won his NASCAR debut since 1963. It just doesn't happen. And I'll tell you what, I'm really upset with myself for not pulling the trigger on SVG, as he's known, because Shane Vans uh, Gisbergen just doesn't roll off the tip of the tongue like uh, SVG. Basically, the uh, the trackside announcers today just decided to call him SVG after you know, bumbling and stumbling through his name a million times. He said, I think people are going to know this dude's name. First uh, driver to do this since Johnny Rutherford won at Daytona in 1960 freaking three, man. The only thing is, NASCAR was new in those days, right? So, a little bit different for a guy to come in and nail it down like he did. Like, a super cool race. You know, like, once the rain stopped and you can see the skyline of Chicago and they're cruising, man, on Michigan Avenue and stuff, that stuff was lit, super entertaining. It was a full day of uh, motorsport that started off in Austria this morning. Max Verstappen is now the fourth all-time winner in Formula One history. He wins again. He wins his fifth straight race. Uh, Red Bull continue to dominate. They're now two wins away from the best start ever in Formula One history. Um, the record to start the season for wins is 11. They're now to nine. So there's still work left to be done. People are already starting to wonder if they can run the table and go 22-0. and 0. That's a tall task uh, right there. But they'll take it a week at a time. Um, the only thing hotter than uh, Georgia asphalt right now are the Atlanta Braves. Braves are what, 23-3 and three in their last 26 games? Say what? Braves aren't playing around. Cincinnati's not playing around. Boston punches the Toronto Blue Jays in the mouth. The Dodgers suck and lose two and three to the Royals. A lot of stuff to unpack. This is Sports Rage. Bring it. 
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. You are listening to Sports Rage Late Night with Gabe Marinci. Sunday, buddy, Sunday. This is Sports I am Gable Morenci, the pimps, the players, the hustlers, the people of Buffalo, and everybody else in between kicking it. A somewhat holiday edition of the program. Like I said, we won't be on uh, tomorrow night, and we will not be on Tuesday night, so the third, the fourth, going into the fourth, but we will be on TV slash radio. Uh, business as usual tomorrow at 3 o'clock uh, Pacific, 6 o'clock Eastern, Sirius XM Channel 159, Sports Good Radio and Television Networks. And uh, basically every app and network known to mankind, including Amazon. All right, uh, so a lot of stuff to get to. Um, Jesus Ferreira goes back-to-back, all right? It goes back-to-back hat-tricks and back-to-back games. The USA drop another sixth spot on the board tonight against Trinidad and Tobago. Uh, Meanwhile, Mexico lose to Qatar uh, this evening in what has been a wild uh, Gold Cup. Uh, So we'll talk some soccer uh, this evening. Like I said, we've got a little bit of something for everybody uh, tonight. Eight time uh, this year that Otani and Mike Trout are both homered in the same game. Uh, Angels are 7-1 and in those games. So basically, all the Angels need to do is really just tell Otani and Trout to to, to homer. Go out there and hit a home run. And it's as simple as that. They're going to win. I'm surprised they've only uh, both hit home runs in eight games. Feels like it would have been more. All right. So we got a full house. Tony Finn's going to step up, and then we'll focus on some baseball with Tony straight from the strip of Las Vegas, Nevada. Ian Cameron, a.k.a. Babano, will kick with us at level three. We'll talk CFL, USFL, and more. Let's talk football and more, including NBA free agency. Mo Khan steps up at NTSN Radio and more. Mo, always a pleasure. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. A lot of stuff to pack. How you doing tonight, Mo? I am well, Gabe. We are now 10 Sundays away from week one of the NFL season, my friend. 10 Sundays to go. That's pretty crazy that the countdown is it's getting that close. And uh, we're now 54 days away from the start of college uh, football as well. We'll get into some NFL football, actually. 
And um, you guys, everyone listening, and uh, girls, wherever you are, um, you can think about it because we'll talk about the NFL. And every year, pretty much every year, um, and in fact, it's happened so much. It's been um, 15 times, guys, since 2010. A team has gone from worst to first in the National Football League. Happens, like, all the time. Uh, like, 15 times since 2010. That's pretty significant, right? Is, and yeah. um, so think about it, everybody. We'll get to that a little bit later on. Who's the team that can go from worst to first this year in the National Football League? But let's start off with the National Basketball Association and its free agency, Mo. And I always tell people when it comes to trades and when it comes to drafts, you have to give it. It's like wine. You have to give it a couple of years to age to really judge it. It's hard to do like winners and losers of drafts. Well, I don't know. Nikolai Jokic was taken 41st overall during a freaking Taco Bell commercial, right? So, yeah, yeah, you can't judge drafts really, but free agency is a little bit different because the players are established. They've been in the league. Um, They've been in the league. Uh, already, so you know what you're getting. And I think the Los Angeles Lakers did about as well as they could do to continue to build on the roster that they reconstructed as the year went on last year, bringing in uh, Gabe Vincent, getting D'Angelo Russell back, um, to getting him to come back for, for cheaper. Um, you bring in Prince just as, a, as an added piece. You re-sign Hachimura. Uh, you bring in Cam Radish. There's just a lot of little nice moves that the Lakers did to round out their depth. You know, it was kind of an underwhelming free agency period, but I think the Lakers did a pretty good job, all things considering. Yeah, I think the Lakers coming in, Gabe, we we spoke about this back in that, right? What type of team would they be come this summer? And for them to keep out tomorrow, Austries and to bring in and also bring back the Andrew Russell and to bring in uh, some key depth players. I think that makes them much more fortified. It lessens the question marks about them because think about this game last summer when we were talking about the Lakers. We were saying how much of a joke they are with that roster that they had constructed prior to the deconstruction and rebuilding now becoming what they are. So I think the Lakers, for, for the value that they've put together, is definitely worth it for what they've done. I think now all eyes will be on Anthony Davis and how he approaches this summer going towards a training camp in the early in late September, early October. How will he be? Because if he's healthy, Gabe, we know – this Lakers team is much more dynamic. If he's not healthy, if he's not, if he's or if he's not relevant enough, this team becomes much worse than what it is. So I think it's all in Anthony Davis now to take that next step in his career as he's in the prime of his career playing the NBA right now. And and we'll see if Austin Reeves can continue the development and even take it to the next level. But all things considering, listen, I think he's the real deal. I yeah. you know I mean I don't think he's a superstar or anything like that, but I think he will improve. And he'll be consistent in who he is. He'll be that complimentary uh, third piece. And getting him for, for $56 million over four years, that that was, I think, I think that was a better deal than they thought. You know, it's funny. Like, the only one that they didn't really overpay, but the one that ended up getting paid was Hachimura. <laughs> Hachimura walks away. It's true. Uh, like, Hachimura got a pretty good deal out of this. That was a surprise. You know, he gets $51 million. Um for three years, so he got a pretty good payday right there. To put in perspective, Reeves got 56 for four. All things considering, like I said, you're always challenged when you have a couple of mega stars on your team to make as much money as they do, but I thought that they rounded out their debt pretty well. Oh, yeah, no question. And now when you look at the West going towards uh, training camp, 
we we still I think I still believe that the Nuggets are the, are the best team in that in that conference. But I'm intrigued by the Lakers now and how they can gel early on. Right, Darvin Ham's going to year two. He's got his guys in place. Plink has has rebounded well. Uh, to make this team much more suitable today than where it was uh, 11 months ago. And you have to factor in the Clippers, right? Will they be players for James Harden? You have to factor in the Phoenix Suns for what they're trying to build up, bringing in Eric Gordon to be a, a bench player for two years and $6 million a season. Uh, you know, are, are Phoenix going to be a player to watch out for? And even Sacramento, right? They're kind of fortifying their in-house uh, for agent with the bonus back in the, in the fold once again for six more years. So I think the West game, there's no question, is a lot tougher than the East right now. And I think there's, there's going to be more quality depth to work with because I think that's going to get better in the Western Conference than where it was last year. And yeah, no, there's a lot. There's a lot there. And you, you know, we didn't even get to the Pelicans and the Grizzlies. You know, John Morant probably got off relatively light when you consider his suspension. Right. Um, and I think they've, they've already shown an ability to win without him as well. Um, and I, you know what? I am high on the Pelicans. I think the Pelicans are a team that could take it to the next level. I think they have a very – I think their roster is really coming together right now, but obviously right. this comes down to Zion. If he could show up and just be that next piece that they don't have, because they're already pretty good without him, right? So, and Sacramento were interesting, as you stated. No, the West is, is, is going to be interesting. We'll see if Denver have the same hunger uh, as well. They lose Brown, which I think will hurt them uh, a little bit. So, one of the biggest stories of free agency actually ended up being – Fred Van Fleet and how much money he ended up getting. <laughs> yes. Like, which is just absolute, like, you know, it's to put in perspective, if Van Fleet and Van Fleet's making $43 million a year, Giannis only makes 45 million, bro. Luca makes like 41, I believe. Like Luca makes less than Van Fleet does uh, right, right now. And God bless Fred Van Fleet. He's a great story. He's a good guy and all this. Undrafted, you know, he walks into the NBA and he's had all the success. But this really is one of the craziest contracts in NBA history, what Fred Van Fleet just got. Yeah, but you know, you know, I gave, would you say no to that deal if Houston gave you that offer, you know, being oh, no. coming through? No, of course not, right? I mean, we would not fault the man at all. And then he took the value that he got, and Houston believes that he can bring that veteran. Uh, and I don't fully. I don't fully really fault Houston either, even though the Houston Rockets have had success and Houston's a great city. The fact of the matter is they're a train wreck of an organization right now, and they had to overpay to get players, right? Right? That's just the deal. But to me, if I'm Fred Van Fleet, you got paid, but I think it was to me it's a little alarming that the only team that really stepped up was a crap-ass team. <laughs> and Drake with the back shot, like, I'm going to miss you, bro. Have fun with the Guangdong Dragon. Oh, I mean, he used the Rockets. <laughs> More with Mo on the other side. This is Sports Trade. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and... Producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.
VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. They're what we thought they were. We played them in preseason. Who the hell takes a third game in a preseason like a bull? We played them in the third game. Everybody played three quarters. The Bears are who we thought they were. That's why we took the damn field. Now, if you want to crown them, then crown their ass. But they are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. The late night anger management class. This is Portrait. I am Gabriel Moretzi. A lot of stuff uh, to hit. We're kicking it with Mo Khan uh, right now. Just talking NBA basketball. We'll wrap up uh, free agency and uh, we'll move on to some other topics in a couple of moments. But speaking of Fred Van Fleet, so Fred Van Fleet cashes in large $130 million for three years. To put in context, Kyrie Irving only got $126 million uh, for three years. So they have to overpay a little bit. Fred Van Fleet was pretty open about wanting to just get the most money possible from wherever uh, it came from. They bring in Dylan Brooks, who I actually like, except it's a weird team for Dylan Brooks to be on this team. It's a bad team for Dylan Brooks to be on. Like, Dylan Brooks is already undisciplined as it is, and sort of he's already right on the edge, and that's playing in important games. You know what I'm saying, Mo? That's right. like playing right. what it matters. Now you're taking a dude like Dylan Brooks who's going to be involved in a lot of blowouts now, man. Right? Like, the Houston aren't good suddenly just because of these signings. They're still going to have problems. And I can just see him getting extremely frustrated and kicked out of a lot of games. I'm just saying. But, um, but so Dylan Brooks gets $20 million a year. Yeah, and then they give they give Jock Landale thirty two million for four years. It's clearly a case they had money to spend. They had to come back and give their fans something, and this is pretty much the best thing that they could do. But it's nothing against Fran Van Fleet. He's a good player. Dylan Brooks, I think, helps a, a good basketball team, but he's a weird fit on a bad team. Landale, whatever, is lucky to be in the NBA. So this is an incredible stat, though. I see here, Mo. Last season, there were 14 qualified players with a true shooting right. percentage of minus 54 that took at least 11 shots per game. Four of them are on the Houston Rockets now. <laughs> Dylan Brooks, Jabari Smith, Jalen Green, and Fred Van Fleet. <laughs> like, they're a shooting team that wants to score, and they're terrible shooters. Like, this is a bad this is a bad combination. This is a bad team they put together, bro. God bless them for getting paid, but it's a bad lineup, bro. Yeah, this this reminds me a little bit of the uh, Charlotte Bobcats, Charlotte Hornets, right? With with their drafting and bringing in certain guys, like you know, you ask like, why, why would they bring this guy into the into the fold? But I think with Udoka, what he's trying to build up here is, is bring a little bit of veteran sadness with a Fred VanVleet. And look, you know, for, for Dylan Brooks, for uh, as as immature and childish as he is on the court and off of it. Uh, he brings a bit of edge, right? And and maybe he'll toughen up the Jabari Smiths of the world on this team, the Jalen Greens of this team to realize, look, guys, you know what? We may not win uh, 20 games, 
but hell, we're gonna play. <laughs> like, we're gonna win the game. You know, like see, like that's what I'm seeing. That, that in, in this in this world, of the NBA. Yeah, to bring and, up the compete factor. You're right. Just the competition the factor, factor and, yeah. the, and, the, and the edge factor. I think those are gonna be keys for this Rocket team and trying to grow. And Fred and, and is look, a competitor he, as well. Fred does show up every he night. Is. He, he is no question about that. Right? He, he's not like. Gabe, I know you're, you're one of the bigger Raptor fans out there, but Van Vliet up until his last year wasn't a meat guy. He wasn't like, hey, why the spotlight isn't on me until he wants to kind of get himself out of Toronto. But you would figure now with him being in Houston that, like, this is his team, right? This is what he's been wanting and been yearning for uh, for his whole professional career, going back to Wichita State, that, hey, I can carry this load here and, and be a, a relevant factor in this whole process. So I think for Houston, yeah, we can make fun of them. And let's not forget, what was the point spread for this team every single night? Like, this team would give up 140 points per game, whatever it was. They may not give up 140, but they'll still give up, like, you know, 110, but be much more competitive than what they were last year. Mo Khan kicking with us, and you just said something that that I do agree with as well. That I I was actually the old pretty much kind of the only one that would say it, and he kind of played selfishly this year. You could just tell, like it was like I'm gonna shoot, I'm gonna I got to put numbers up because I got to get paid. And there were times that there wasn't the right shot to take early in the shot clock. Uh, I don't know if you remember, but there was a game against the Knicks. The Raptors battled all the way back at MSG, and he didn't know, like, the circumstance, and he just took a lazy foul late, and then they lost on free throws. Oh, right, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there was just a lot of, like, bro, we get it. You're a free agent. Like, you know what I mean? I, I could tell, like, bro, like, 10 games into the season, I was like, oh, this is a nightmare. This is a nightmare. Like, I could tell right away. And don't tell me that if I could tell other people didn't see, like, bro, like, come on. We get it. You got to get paid. But, you know, there's other guys on the floor here. And I think that was one of the issues. Nick Nurse brought it up when he said, you know, there was a lot of stuff that was going on with people that we didn't know whether they're going to be there. And he goes, I'll be lying to you if I told you it didn't get to all of us. And, you know, Fred Van Fleet's out there liking stuff about pictures with him and Devin Booker. You know, God bless him, but I don't think he handled it the best, but whatever. It is, it is what it is. So, uh, Mo Kake, what I said, as far as the Raptors are concerned, I think all things considering, they had a pretty good day as well. They got Jakob Pertle back for $20 million a year. Um, right. He's a solid player. They got Gary Trent, who's only 24 years old, who is capable of putting up Van Fleet numbers, and if not better than Van Fleet type of numbers. I'm not saying he's better, but I'm just saying he, he'll put up the same damn numbers for cheaper. Um uh, you bring in Dennis Schroeder, not not a bad, just addition, a little depth. To me, the Raptors, listen, there's that big rumor still. I'll ask you if you think it's going to happen, but I am a big Siakam fan, but I get the feeling that he is going to get traded. I think they want to trade him, point blank. It's just he put it out there that I'm a free agent at the end of the year, and I'm not automatically going to sign with you just if you trade for me, which has scared some teams. But this DeJounte Murray for Siakam stuff is not going away, Mo. No, and we spoke about it back in Feb, right, during the deadline. You would ask me with the Raptors what they would do. I thought they'd clean house and get rid of all these guys like Van Vliet and, and Pascal Siakam. I remember your reaction was quite surprising. I said, look, you know, he's going to uh, a contract year, right? He wants to get that last big payday uh, in the prime of his career. And now if DeJounte Murray is available for the Raptors and they can pull it off, 
I would do it if I'm them because, again, you get yourself an athletic a wing player in Murray who can definitely spread out the court and help make it easier for Scotty Barnes to kind of grow and elevate and go into year three of his pro development. I think you see Scotty Barnes. I don't know if you saw the video last week. Uh, when they when when Dick came into the into the Raptors facilities, he was already there. Sky Barnes getting himself committed in shape for the new season. So I think the Raptors now they realize look, this is going to be Scotty Barnes's roster, and if they can get a, a Murray in that fold, I think it makes it much more dynamic and it makes it a lot more lethal in terms of what they can bring out there at both ends of the court. Yeah, I agree, and I think it's just a business. I don't know, though. It's it's tough with the new coach, right? What's the dy- yeah. dynamic? Maybe the coach falls in love with certain guys and doesn't like other guys, so it's all easy to say <laughs> now. We know that Nick Nurse and Siakam really didn't talk much and get along very well, you know, but I don't think anybody got along with Nick Nurse, to be honest, besides Fred Van Fleet. <laughs> like, <laughs> who's not there? <laughs> like, really? Like, us? Like, everyone else? Yeah, like... You know, I think everyone tuned him out. Scotty Barnes, I think he had an okay year, but he didn't take it to the next level. He was kind of the same and inconsistent. I think he gets that, and I think they have a lot of confidence in him to do better. They're an interesting team. I think they're a playoff team. I think they will see how they gel with this new coach, but I'm expecting a real chip-on-their-shoulder type of team. I I think a lot of those guys felt like Nick Nurse was holding them back I think Masai felt that Nick wasn't coaching the style that he should with the roster that they had. But the Siakam situation has to be decided. And I like him. I think they don't. I think they like him. But I think, as you stated, he already makes like $37, $40 million a year. And he ain't taking a pay cut. The guy scores 25, 8, and 5, bro. You know, don't tell me Siakam just didn't see Freddie get 43 mil a year. And he's thinking, oh, my God. (laughs) Like, I'm going to get 55. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? I'm going to get, like, like, seriously, if if Siakam's a free agent, don't tell me the Atlantas, the Sacramentos, someone's going to come, bro. Like, you know what I mean? Someone will come with a max deal for him. Everybody gets max deals now, and he knows it. That's all he wants, and I don't think the Raptors want to do it. No, and the thing is, we see him out with Masai and Bobby Webster, Gabe, that they will hold on to an asset until now, right? We, we saw Van Leet. Uh, we saw with, with Kyle Lowry when they thought he would have been dealt at the deadline, and he wasn't. Uh, when they were playing in Tampa during the COVID year. And would it surprise me if, if Masai holds on to him? No, it would not because, again, that's how Masai Jury operates, right? And they've been so covert and been, you know, under the radar with what they've done that we don't know. Like, And think about this, Gabe, right? Like, Masai's had some magical trades when he got rid of Rudy Gay uh, from that contract and got got himself into better financial shape for the salary cap. So it would not surprise me he seemed to make a move at some point here. But, again, the value of Pascal Siakam, right? You're not going to trade him today. But you might trade him on, on December 20th or, or January 20th, whatever it is, and, and get yourself better value for what he can be. But you made the point about this Raptors team perhaps being a playoff team. I think they're more on a bubble of being a play-in team than being a legitimate playoff clinch. So I think right now on the health and how well they can mesh under this new coaching staff, if they can get going early and off, I think it makes it much more relevant. But again, Pascal Siakam will be the biggest question mark for this team going to training camp and for however long he will be there as a Raptor going through the season. There's two ways to look at it for Siakam. I sort of get it. He wants to be a free agent and see what, you know what I mean, and see what teams step up. But at the same point in time, if the Atlanta Hawks really like me this much, and they really do seem to want him, 
Um, and, you know, through my agent, I would say, all right, listen, you know, are you guys going to give me the ultimate max contract and let's rock? I'll do it. Because he's got to realize that between Barnes, OG, and him, he's the odd man out. Even though he's the best one right now, he's older and makes the most money. Football on the other side and little puck talk. Bring it. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Last thing about Fred Van Fleet and the Houston Rockets. So they're, they paid him, they're paying him like a hundred and, you know, they're, they're paying him a ton of money here. And the thing is, they bid against themselves. That was the, the thing, Mo, that's baffling that they paid as much as they did because it was well known. The Raptors offered Fred Van Fleet four years, $114 million. And right. he rejected like that earlier in the year. He, you know, that was before the year started. They said, oh, you're going to be a free agent. We'll offer you this. And he said, no, you know, let's let's feel it out as it goes. And reportedly, they added $6 million to it. Right? Like, so it was basically like, that was sort of telling him, yeah, listen, man, we're not, we're not paying you. Like, that was their way of letting him know. They said, well, remember there was a report, one last call with the Raptors type of deal. And from what I understand, the Raptors said, four years, $120 million, $30 million a year. So... If you're Houston, you didn't have to pay him 43 because nobody else had the money to pay him. So you could have gotten it for 35 or something because considering it's tax-free, he was going to yeah. take the Houston money anyways. <laughs> this is, this is, this is I'm just classic. being real here. This yeah, is why yeah, bad know, teams are bad, Mo. You know what I mean? Like It's like NFL no, teams sure. doing stupid things. It's like, all right, you bid against yourself. No one else was offering anything close to that. 
Yeah, they, they almost pulled before before the Jaguars became relevant. They almost pulled like a Jacksonville Jaguars right before when they would always overpay for like a Julius Thomas type of character, right, and get like five cats out of him. And, and look, I'm not saying Van Vliet's going to get you like ten points. Like he will get you eight to twenty a night consistently. Speaking here, and, and I think now for the Houston Rockets, you're bang on game, right? For a team that is no longer on the radar in the NBA, and now in the state of Texas alone, they're probably now the, the third-best team behind San Antonio with what they have built up with Wambiyama and the Mavericks for what they have built up as we speak. They have to do something. And I think now it, it makes them, you know, I'm not saying it makes them better, but it makes them a little bit more relevant that they can now be competitive in, in ball games and not give up 140 like they were doing every single night last season. And, and if that's the case for them now, if they can kind of hammer, you know, temper the, the bleeding right now, and it makes them better this year that, hey, come next year or two years on the road, they're much more competitive and they're in the playoffs, then they won't be the laughing stocks in the NBA and are much more better than what they have to go through as we speak. Mo Kong kicking with us. So, Mo, last week you and I spoke about the NHL draft, and right. I bet on the, the Montreal Canadiens to take Ryan Leonard uh, with their right. fifth overall pick, uh, but I said <laughs> if it's not Leonard, it's probably going to be in Reinbacher. Which you're and, right, yes. Yeah, and it ends up it ends up being Reinbacher in the end. Anything that the Montreal Canadiens do is going to get criticized, right? It's just the way that it is. Like, if no matter what, like so, they could draft Wayne Gretzky, and people will be like, "Oh, well, you know, he's kind of small and skinny, right?" Like, people people will bitch no matter what. I think he's a good player, and I, you know, I guess some people were baffled by another defenseman and you know the approach that they're taking especially after bigging up Ryan Leonard as much as they did but with all that being stated it's hard to judge I think he's a good player it's hard to judge an 18 year old kid yet evidently he got attacked pretty pretty hard online enough that like it rattled him and yeah. I saw he was asked about the social media and the fans. He said, I don't want to talk about it. He goes, all I'll say is the team and the organization has supported me with open arms. I don't want to talk about social media. And this is a problem, bro. Like, we were just talking about Fred Van Fleet going to Texas with no taxes and stuff. Quebec has a lot of taxes uh, to begin with. You have to deal with a language situation, which some guys don't want to deal with. And you have to deal with psychotic fans. So you got an 18-year-old kid from Switzerland. Guy hasn't done anything wrong, and he's getting attacked by fans online, Mo. This is why people don't want to play for the Montreal Canadiens, bro. Yeah, and, and there was a report in The Athletic uh, from Martin Basu, who 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 was uh, quoting sources of his at the half that said this, this stuff that can't does not help us attract players. We're trying to make a destination for players to come play in Montreal. And when we have this type of garbage being thrown out by by these stupid half fans, who are not proper half fans, who are being vile and rude towards Rambacher, who did nothing wrong, Gabe. He got drafted. He had his pro dreams realized by the Montreal Canadiens, the number five pick. Yeah, poor and kid this, too. And yeah. Carey Price butchers his name, and then he yeah. gets attacked after. Like, like, yeah, really, like. It, it's absolutely nuts. And, and look, it's crazy how and Gabe, you 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 are Montrealer through and through. You you know how this thing turns on this organization and. For the last 18 months, it's been a honeymoon with Kent Hughes and Jeff Gorton with what they've done through trade and through drafting. And, and now it's turned on them. Now they felt the wrath of Habs Nation that they didn't take a, a, like a Michkoff when they could have had him at number five and bypass him, even Ryan Leonard for that matter. So now can they prove that, hey, Ryan Bakker, who probably won't put the Habs this year, could be a foundation piece. And I made a point on Twitter that if you remember 2007, when they took Max Pacioretty, 
Ryan McDonough and P.K. Subban in that same draft class, they could very well have their new Subban and McDonough in the form of Lane Hudson, who they took in the second round last year, and now with Ryan Backer this year. And remember, they traded McDonough for Scott Comez, and they traded, they traded Subban down the road in 2016. So they might have found their potential McDonough-Subban duo uh, for the next 10 to 12 years if they both uh, uh, flourish and become a legitimate angel defenseman. So I think right now for Habs fans, yes, they can be upset and they have every right to be, but the way they destroyed this player's character was uncalled for, and that's not right for this young man who's trying to become a professional NHL player at some point in his life. And in NHL free agency, they did absolutely nothing, right? <laughs> Which was expected, right? They were, they were going to be shoppers, and, and that's the thing with the Canadians, that they even admitted themselves that this would be a very quiet free agent uh, period for them. And I think they, that's what, Gabe, the reality is this Hats team is going to be uh, fighting for another top five pick this season. And, and that's where the and you, and that's the reality, Gabe, right? Is the patience of this franchise fan base, is, are they going to be okay with another mediocre season where they're not going to be uh, a playoff contender or a wild card chaser. They're going to be somewhere between 5 to 10 this year. Are Hatfans okay with that? And if they are, then, hey, they'll, they'll take their, 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 their cost remedy right now, and hopefully this will flourish for them in two years down the road when they become better and hopefully a playoff team moving under Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon. Older, I think older fans will hate them and stuff, but it doesn't matter because they don't go to the games anyways. Right? right, and I think there's enough younger fans that love them no matter what, right? Then they're not gonna, you know what I mean? Like, like you said, I think the talk radio could be negative at times and stuff, but it's not like they're never not gonna sell out, right? It's just one of those deals. Like, there's enough people that are the the glass is half full, the glass is half full that that they'll be able to pull it off. So it's sort of similar to the Knicks. As frustrating as they are, they still sell out. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's a very yeah, no, similar no. situation. But, yeah, yeah no, Gabe. Like, it, like, I know it's been a while for, for half fans to feel like they, they've been great. I know you were, you were here two years ago and had the cup run. Uh, but, but the thing is that at the halfway point of the year, the last couple of seasons, uh, ticket holders have been having difficulty offloading tickets to, to Habs games. And you see... Uh, oh, yeah, the secondary market is... Yeah, 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 I get that. Yeah, I get they, that. They, yeah, yeah. they take a beating in the Habs game. And that's the thing, right? The, the, the apathy from Habs fans... Uh, they were fed up uh, towards the end of the year knowing that they were not going to go anywhere. And they felt, okay, maybe the top five pick ends up being Connor Bedard, which wasn't the case, or the Amichkov, which wasn't the case. And now you have to wonder, even right? the Leafs it, it, is the same. I swear, Mo, even the Leafs, right. like, you'd be surprised. Yeah. Like, you figure, oh, no, tickets, like, tickets are cheaper, like, in the playoffs than they used to be. People are just fed up. It's like, they're not going to win. Right. So why would I spend $1,000? They don't win. 100%. 100%. And the same thing with Montreal fans, right? That, and, and again, it goes back to this point, right? If they can come out to a flyer and, and maybe go 7-3 in the first 10 and, and keep themselves, you know, in that contention going towards January, then fans will show up. But by, by end of January, early February, around Super Bowl weekend, if they know they're out of it, you're going to see more empty seats at the arena because scalpers and people who have season tickets will have difficulty offloading these uh, uh, pairs because they realize that fans are not going to pay so much, especially in cold Montreal winters, to leave their homes to go to a building that's not as comfortable in terms of watching the game and be excited for it uh, for this season coming up. Speaking of which, I have the attendance this week for the MLS. Uh, Atlanta led with 43,527 today uh, against the Philadelphia Union. Montreal at the bottom of the list, 16,000. Yet, as I tweeted out, a little bit deceptive. There was, like, lightning and thunderstorms. It was pouring rain. Yeah. 
Yes, it was. And there was a CFL game at the same time, which I thought was a bad fit. Now, listen, Apple controls MLS, right? And they're locked in with this Saturday night 7.30 stuff. Yeah. That's the one thing I think they're short-sighted with. They should spread the games out a bit. There should be earlier games in the day. You know, why Why make every team play at the same damn time pretty much all the time in the MLS? I think that's one thing that's uh, that's somewhat annoying. But uh, formerly the impact lose to NYCFC. Yeah, you know, for, for Montreal, they, they got the, an awful start, right? They wanted to clean house and get rid of management and get rid of Joe Spudo and this team here. But, you know, they, they've gotten better, right? They've been better in structure. They've been better in terms of what they want to be now. And as we approach pretty much, you know, we're well past the halfway point of the season now, uh, they're, they're, in, they're in a race to get to the playoffs right now. And, and if they can put together some wins here and get themselves uh, going towards August in that five to six range, I think, they, I think that's what they're They've got to steal a few points on the road. That's their problem. They've they, they they got to start to steal some points on the road. And, and what's more remarkable about this club this year, Gabe, is that they've sold so many guys in the offseason right, to Europe and other places that they didn't really replace them. But yet, here they are uh, in, in, in number seven, number eight of the East right now, going towards uh, week 23 of the MLS. So I think, you know, there's no question they've definitely been much better of late. But that first four or five games, it was like, whoa, what has happened to this club and what they want to be? Are they going to be one of those selling teams for, for years to come? And you have to order now, Eden Hazard, right? The, the former Chelsea Real Madrid player. Uh, there's a link as of last week from local Montreal reporters saying that he could be on the CFMTL radar uh, to be brought in as a DP. And look, there is a lot of Belgian connections with management and overseas, and that could be reason, one reason why he does come to Montreal if that's his end game here. But, you know, if you're an MLS team, you have to bring in that kind of star player with your power that's going to attract more fans. If you brought that point game on a Saturday night and, and the rain delay that was for the Alouettes, which, which I was at, and of course with CFMTL playing at the same time, you want star power. And Eden Hazard has that star power uh, cash shade that will bring in maybe two, three more thousand fans uh, to Sassapudo watch games on a Saturday night or whenever they play on a during the regular season for that matter. Mo Conkick with us. All right, so I said earlier, it's unbelievable that since 2010, there's been 15 teams in the National Football League that went from worst to first. Yeah. Last year, the Jacksonville Jaguars. The year before that, the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, the right. year before that, the Washington uh, Commanders. The Houston Texans did it in 2018. Chicago Bears did it in 2018. The Eagles did it in 2017. The Jags did it in 2017. Cowboys, 2016. Commanders slash Redskins at the time, 2015. Washington have actually done it three times, which is pretty crazy. Um Carolina, Philadelphia, there's another time that Philadelphia has done it, all the way back to 2010. It's hard to believe they had the Chiefs used to suck, so in 2009 they sucked. But uh, we got a break coming up uh, here. So on the other side, let me know which is the team that you think they can go from worst to first. Last year, worst in a division, can win a division this year in the National Football League. As a countdown to kickoff is on, as most stated, 10 Sundays to NFL football, 54 days to college of football. The late night anger management class. This is Sports Rage. Bring it. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and 
producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. All right, look at the teams. Last place teams last year. The Jets were a last place team last year. They potentially could win the division. The Cleveland Browns were a last-place team last year. The Houston Texans were in last place. The Denver Broncos were a last-place team. The Washington Commanders were a last-place team. The Chicago Bears were a last-place team. The NFC South is a little complicated only because three teams were 7-10 and and one team was 8-9. and So you don't really have a definitive last place team, but technically I guess you could argue the Atlanta Falcons, Saints, and or Panthers, and then you got the Arizona Cardinals in the West. I guess by definition, due to the division itself, I guess we would have to look at the NFC South, right? I mean, technically Atlanta, New Orleans, uh, Carolina were all 7-10, and uh, Mo. I think Houston could be better, but it might be a little bit of a jump to knock the Jags off. Uh, in this division, what do you think? What's your team? Who do you think can go from worst to first? I got the Falcons, Gabe. Uh, they their schedule is quite winnable. They play eleven teams that did not make the playoffs last year, and I think through the draft and through what they've done under Arthur Smith, um, for what they built up here has been quite remarkable. I think their offensive depth is much more dynamic. I think the only question mark will be Desmond Ritter and what he does as a quarterback. If he's the guy to, to lead his team to, to victory or if they go with Tyler Henneke, who knows? But they have playmakers to work with, and that defense has gone better through trades and through drafting here. So I think they have a chance. I know the Saints are the sweetheart picks to win the South, but I want to discount the Falcons. I think they're a team that could definitely win 9 to 10 games this year and maybe sneak in as a wild card team. Yeah, they got to get pressure on the quarterback, the Atlanta Falcons, but they were improving uh, defensively. We're going to see. I mean, everybody says don't draft running backs. Don't draft running backs. We'll see if Bijan Robinson can have an instant impact for this football team and help Desmond Ritter. But I'll tell you what, Ritter has a lot of skill position players and a lot of good football players on offense around him. Mo, excellent stuff. The hour just flew by. Great stuff. Happy Canada Day, 4th of July weekend. Thanks for the time, Mo. Take care, man. Be safe out there. Talk to you, man. The late night anchor management class, Tony Finn, straight for the strip. Bring it. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.